0: Judy Buenuano was one of the most devious serial killers in the United States throughout the 1970s and 1980s. Despite not having the highest body count, she became notorious for murdering individuals close to her for insurance money. Buenuano collected thousands of dollars after each death and used the money to open a salon, buy expensive jewellery and buy a new car. She was living the high life in Florida and nobody suspected a thing. The police became suspicious only when her last fiance's car unexpectedly exploded in 1983, and authorities would soon unearth even more terrible crimes once they started to delve a bit deeper. In comparison to other prolific serial killers, Buonoano mostly had been forgotten. Despite this, her case stands out due to the horrible avarice that motivated the murders. Buenuano made history as the first woman executed in Florida in 150 years, as well as the first woman to die in the electric chair in the state. This is the case of Judy Buannuano, also known as the Black Widow. <laughs> Well, hello, my fellow weirdos. How is everyone? I hope everyone is doing amazing. I hope you've all had a fabulous week. I'm all good. Everything is all good on this end. So, yeah, can't can't really complain about that, can I? Today is yet another true crime case, but it's considerably easier to stomach than the two-part um, Bonin Bonanza that we had over the last few weeks. So it's not going to be as traumatic, this one, It's going to be quite comical in places, Um, but yeah, it's not going to be as emotionally scarring or mentally jarring. Bars. That was bars. So today we have some female representation, I think for the first time since um, my second episode. Yeah, it's been about like 13 episodes or so since I covered a female uh, killer. So, you know, we got the woman in this time. <laughs> so it is Judy Buenuano, I think I've said that right, taking centre stage today. So let's get this show on the road. So before she became uh, Judy Buen- Buenuano, she was actually born at Judias Welty on April the 4th, 1943 in Kwana, Texas, and she was the third of four children. Her mother would die when she was four years old, and she was taken to live with her grandparents um, with her baby brother Robert, while her two other siblings were put up for adoption. They relocated to New Mexico later on to live with her father after he remarried. While living with her father and her stepmother, she would be the target of a of she would be the target for abuse from both parents, being beaten starved, burnt with cigarettes and forced to work as a slave. At age 14, her anger finally exploded. Judy scolded two of her stepbrothers with hot grease, hot grease, fuck it up, and lit into her parents with flying fists, feet and any object she could lay her hands on. Judy would spend 60 days in jail among adult prostitutes because of the incident, but when the court asked if she was ready to go home, She chose reform uh, reform school instead. She attended Foothills High School and Albuquerque Girls Reformatory until she graduated in 1959 at the age of 16 and she despised her family from then on and said of Brother Robert, I wouldn't spit down his throat if his guts were on fire. Judy would return to Roswell in 1960 working as a nurse's assistant under the name Anna Schultz. On March the 30th, 1961, she gave birth to, illegit- to an illegitimate son named Michael Schultz and declined to comment on reports that his father was a pilot from a neighboring air force institution. She married air force member James Goodyear on January the 21st, 1962, and had their first child, James Goodyear, four years James Goodyear Jr., sorry, got, got to remember the junior. Uh, Four years later, on January the 16th, 1966, uh, Michael Schultz was adopted by Judy's husband to commemorate the occasion. Daughter Kimberly would follow in 1967 after the family had relocated to Orlando, Florida. Of course they moved to Florida. Of course. Why why wouldn't they move to Florida? (laughs) Like, of course this woman would move to Florida. A year later, Judy would open the Conway Acres Child Care Centre in Orlando, listing her husband as a co-owner despite his continuing service with the Air Force, which would soon include a tour of duty in Vietnam, which isn't suspicious in the slightest. In fact, James Goodyear Sr. had only been back from Southeast Asia for three months when he was admitted to the US Navy uh, Naval Hospital in Orlando, suffering from symptoms that his doctors could not pinpoints. Judy waited just five days before cashing in his three life insurance policies, his three life insurance policies, when he died from presumed natural causes on September the 15th, 1971. Judy would then receive another $90,000 in fire insurance after a unintentional fire, quote, (laughs) at her Orlando house. I mean, so that's, Some pretty fucking rotten luck all around, right? But at at least it was profitable, bad luck. Loneliness was not an issue for the newly widowed uh, Judy. In 1972, she relocated her family to um, Pensacola. And the following year, she moved in with her new lover, Bobby Joe Morris, the man with the most fucking American name that I could think of. Bobby Joe Morris. Hey, yo, Bobby Joe. <laughs> Meanwhile, that was an awful American impression. I'm so sorry for all of my American listeners. Meanwhile, son Michael had been becoming a issue for his mum, causing havoc at school and scoring in the dull normal range um, on an IQ test. James Goodyear's death barred a from treatment as a residential facility reserved for military dependents, but Julie uh, wrangled an evaluation at the state hospital in 1974, farming her firstborn out to foster care with a provision for psychiatric uh, treatment. Bobby, uh, Bobby Joe, Bob Joe invited Julie and her family to join him in Trinidad, uh, Colorado in 1977. She stayed in uh, Pensacola long enough to get fire insurance for a second home, then took Michael from foster care and joined her tribe in Moving West, settling in Trinidad as uh, Ju- uh, Judy Julius Morris. On January the 4th, 1978, Bobby Joe was hospitalised at San Rafael Hospital, but doctors were unable to determine the course of his rapid sickness and was he was discharged to Judy's care on January the 21st. He would faint at the dinner table two days later and was then brought back to the hospital where he died on January the 28th with cardiac arrest and metabolic acidosis being the official cause. Death seems to just follow this lady around, doesn't it? Like, that's two people now that have kicked the bucket. The Grim Reaper is just, it's just following Judy around all the time. Judy cashed three life insurance policies on Morris in early February, boosting her bank account even more. Bobby Joe's family had suspected murder from the beginning, and Bobby wasn't the only one on their list of potential victims. Judy and Bobby Joe were visiting his hometown of Brewtown, sorry, Brewton, Alabama in 1974, when a male Florida resident was discovered dead in a Brewton motel. Three life insurance policies. Fucking hell, Judy is getting bank. An anonymous call to a local payphone led authorities to the victim's room, where he was shot in the chest with a twenty-two calibre firearm and his throat was cut for good measure. After the news broke, Bobby Joe's mother overheard Judy telling Bobby Joe, the son of a bitch shouldn't have come up here in the first place. He knew if he'd come up here, he was going to die. Later, raving in a delirium on his deathbed, Morris would blurt out, Judy, we should never have done that terrible thing. Meanwhile, police in Bruton indicated that no fingerprints were found inside the room, and that no bullet was retrieved from the body, and that they had no they'd had no clear suspects in the case. G- <laughs> I'd totally forgot about this part of my notes. <laughs> oh dear. I'm gonna try and hold it together, but I when I when I was researching this Oh, my God! So Judy would legally change her and her children's names, last name, sorry, to Buano, the Spanish equivalent of Goodyear on May the third, 1978 in apparent respect to to her late husband and mythical Apache mother, which on the surface is is actually quite wholesome. but then then you remember that the way that she spelled and wrote "Bano. Without the little line above the end, did not equate to Goodyear or a mythical Apache woman. <laughs> no, it actually translated to good anus. Judy, <laughs> <Duty> good anus. <laughs> Oh <laughs> okay oh, now. Oh I'm sorry that the cheating goodness <laughs> oh. Oh. oh my lord I'm I'm good <laughs> I'm good uh on that note um um, on that note, it's time. It's time for today's promo, um, and it is by the lovely, lovely hosts of the amazing pod- uh, podcast, Crime Time Nerds, Nat and Ash. Take it away, ladies. Hi there, nerdlings. I'm Ash, and I'm Nat. We're the host of Crime Time Nerds, a podcast that focuses on lesser-known investigations, unsolved cases serial killers, and small-town crimes. Join us as we pick up our flashlights and begin our search for answers as we venture down those dark, true-crime paths together. Join us every Sunday as we explore the nature of these often heinous and heartbreaking cases. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can visit our website at crimetimenerds.com or follow our social media platforms. Don't forget to trust your gut, and we hope you join us each and every week. The family was back in Pensacola a month later, settling into a home on Whisper Pine Drive in Gulf Breeze. Uh, Michael Buenueno had followed his history of uh, scholastic failure by dropping out of high school in his sophomore year, and he enlisted in the army in June 1979, receiving a posting to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, following basic training. He stopped in Florida to see his mother on his way uh, to his new job and that was the beginning of the end. He was already showing signs of base metal toxicity toxicity, uh, when he arrived at Fort Benning on November the 6th. Army doctors would then discover seven times the normal level of arsenic in Michael's body and there was pretty much nothing they could do to stop its destruction. Michael's arms and lower leg muscles had atrophied to the point where he couldn't walk or use his hands after six weeks of care. He eventually left the hospital wearing braces and a prosthetic device on one arm, all of which weighed a total of 60 pounds. Michael was canoeing with his mother and younger brother on the East River near Milton, Florida on May the 13th, 1980, when their boat would capsize. James and Judy, who was dubbed Doctor uh, Doctor Judius Buanoano, a clinical physician in uh, Fort Walton, in press reports, made it to shore safely. However, Michael, with um, the extra weight, obviously of his prosthetics and his braces, sank like a stone and drowned. Michael's signature on the insurance applications may have been falsified, according to handwriting specialists. Judy, on the other hand, made the best of her situation without her eldest son and started a beauty salon in Gulf Breeze and started dating uh, dating Pensacola businessman John uh, Gentry II. Side note, if her salon was not called Judy's Angelic Anuses or Judy's Beautiful Buttholes, then that is a completely wasted opportunity. For Gentry's benefit, she fabricated a stint at a nursing school with PhDs in biochemistry and psychology from the University of Alabama, plus a recent tour of duty as the head of nursing at West Florida Hospital. Gentry would take the bait, indulging Judy's desire for high-end gifts, Caribbean cruises and imported champagne, even though it was all a bunch of bullshit. John and Judy bought life insurance policies for each other in October 1982, and Judy increased the coverage from fifty thousand to five hundred thousand without Gentry's knowledge, paying the premiums out of her own pocket. Oh, Judy! Judy, bad anus. <laughs> she she began giving Gentry uh, vismin tablets in December, which t- uh, caused him to become dizzy and vomit. Gentry was admitted to the hospital on December the sixteenth. Where he stayed for twelve days. When he stopped taking the vitamins, his symptoms went away. Even so, he was not suspicious enough to break off his relationship with Judy in the interest of his own survival. Gentry departed an early um, departed a dinner party early on June the twenty fifth, nineteen eighty three, intending to pick up some champagne for a private session with Judy. Going to see how good that anus is, eh? They looked to have a lot to rejoice about because Judy had informed him that she was expecting a child. And that whole thing will come up again later, um, by the way, and not for a good reason either. When John uh, turned the ignition key um, in his car after getting in it, a bomb exploded and rather unsurprisingly, he never made it to the store. He was transported to the hospital close to death where trauma surgeons were able to save his life. On June the 29th, police had their first chance to question uh, Gentry after learning of the victim's unusual insurance position. A background check would show the gaps in Judy's revised biography, and Gentry was also shocked to learn that her pregnancy had also been complete bullshit, with Judy having been surgically sterilised in 1975. So not only did this bitch try to blow up the dude's car with him inside, she also made up a pregnancy. Oh, oh, Judy. You really are. She really is Judy Bad Anus. There is no good anus about this woman. (laughs) Judy had been alerting friends about Gentry's fatal sickness since uh, November 1982 and had recently purchased tickets for a world cruise for herself and her children without Gentry. It was enough for John, and he handed over numerous vitamin tablets that Judy had recommended in 1982 to the police. Although tests indicated that they contained, oh boy, paraformaldehyde, I'm not even going to try, a toxin with no known medical uses, the state attorney for Florida declined to press charges of attempted murder, alleging, uh, alleging a lack of evidence. Judy's home in Gulf Breeze was examined on July the 27th by officers and federal officials who discovered wire and tape in her bedroom that appeared to match uh, Gentry's vehicle bomb. They had also discovered marijuana and a sawed-off shotgun in James's room and he was arrested for drug possession and unlawful weapon possession. Meanwhile, Judy herself was arrested for attempted murder at her beauty salon. Authorities had trapped down the source of the dynamite used in the device by mid-August, using phone records to link the Alabama buyer to Judy, who had made a dozen long-distan- long-distance calls from her home. Judy was released on bond after being charged with attempted murder, but things were about to become far, far worse. She was charged with first-degree murder in the death of her son, as well as grand theft for the insurance fraud, on the 11th of January 1984 she was arrested that evening after staging a fit of convulsions ending up in Santa Rosa hospital under supervision the wheels of justice were slow to turn but once they got going there was absolutely no stopping them bobby joe morris's remains were unearthed on February the 11th and were found to contain arsenic on March the 14th 1984 the Exhumation exhumation of James Goodyear yielded identical results. On March the 22nd, Judy's trial in the first murder case, uh, that of her son Michael, began and she was found guilty on all counts nine days later. She was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of uh, parole for the first 25 years on June the 6th. In July, Florida officials exhumed the remains of um, Gerald Dossett, who had been dead since 1980, in another hunt for arsenic, but no charges were filed. On August the 10th, uh, James Buanoano was found not guilty of attempting to murder James Gentry. However, his mother would not be so lucky. Judy's trial in that case began on October the 15th and lasted three days, jurors considered for only two hours before, desired, uh, before deciding to convict, and Judy's twelve-year jail sentence was added to her life sentence for Michael's murder. Judy went on trial for the murder of her husband James Goodyear a year later, on August twenty. Uh, sorry, on October the twenty second, nineteen eighty five. The trial would last a week, with Judy denying any wrongdoing, but jurors weren't convinced. She was formally sentenced to death on November the 16th after being convicted of her second charge of first degree murder. She was also found guilty of multiple charges of grand theft uh, for the insurance fraud and is suspected of committing multiple arson attacks again for the purposes of insurance fraud. She was held in the uh, Broward Correctional Institution of the Florida Department of Corrections which houses wo- which houses women on death row. Good anus <laughs> was put to death. I completely forgot that I put that in my notes. Like I'd literally just started that with Good Anus was put to death. <laughs> good anus was put to death in the Florida State Prison on March the thirtieth, nineteen ninety eight, using the electric chair. Old Sparky, as they used to call it. Now, this is bizarre. This is probably the most bizarre bit of this entire case, I'm going to be honest. Broccoli, asparagus, strawberries and hot tea were the ingredients of her farewell dinner. When asked if she had any last words, Judy replied, no, sir. Following her execution, Judy's body was cremated. Broccoli, asparagus, strawberries and a cup of tea as your last meal. That is that is madness. Like strawberries and, and hot tea, I'm in. Broccoli and asparagus, yeah, that's, I mean, that it just doesn't really, like, it just doesn't go. It just doesn't go. I don't, I don't know. Some people just like weird foods. I mean, that's not the, I mean, in, in context, it's not the weirdest part of the case, really, is it? I don't know why I'm, my mind's blown by her last meal, <laughs> but that meal is not for me, not for me at all. And that was the case of Judy Goodanus. And yes, that will be the name that I use for her from here on out. Anytime I refer to Judy, it will be as Judy Goodanus. I hope you all enjoyed this. It was a far easier one to stomach than the past two episodes. We needed a palate cleanser. We needed a palate cleanser. So it was still a true crime case, but it was, it was a bit lighter, this one. <laughs> far easier on, on, the, on the emotion. Next week will be all about the ladies again and it will focus on Australia's Hannibal Lecter, Catherine Knight. And trust me, it's fucking bonkers. Mad. Madness. In the meantime, uh, don't forget to follow Horror House on Instagram and Twitter at Horror underscore pod. And please like the Facebook page at Horror House Pod. I will. I know I haven't updated that Facebook page in a while. I'm sorry. I've been slacking. I will get on that. Uh, Also, don't forget to look at the merch store. There's some awesome stuff on there and it's a great way to show your support for the podcast. If you enjoy what I do, please leave a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcasts or you can do it through the podcast's website as well. So all that's left to say is, until next time, stay spooky.